Welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'm joined with a big crew today. I got Diane. Hey! I got Susan. Hello! Oh, she's nervous. <laughs> All right, and I got my dad as well, Andres. How are you doing? I will not. I will not? Undress. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's begun. All right, so we have a special thing going on this week because we are at the cottage, and we thought it would be fun to do a broadcast Live at the cottage. Well, it's live, but published later. And uh, I'm here with my two parents, so Sue, Sue and Andy. It's very fun to have you join us. Just relax. <laughs> We're just going to talk. It's just going to be fun. I don't know. Yeah. So I thought, Diane, you know, we always talk about what's been going on in our week and usually come up with a subject. Yes. I thought this time, oh, there's that buzz again. Mm. I thought this time we could just talk about the cottage in general fantastic idea a cottage cast if you will Ooh, nice and i apologize for the sound in this one mosquitoes it's uh (laughs) got some weird stuff going on some interference well it can't be totally perfect we're in a cabin in the middle of the woods yeah that'd be crazy if we recorded some ghosts and stuff (laughs) (laughs) it's the cabin not the cottage Oh, I've been corrected. All right, Mom, you're going to need to move in closer to your microphone when you want to speak. Otherwise, you will not come through at all. Mom being Susan. Yes, you. (laughs) 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 Dee, do you want to talk about our last week at all? Um, Anything we want to touch on? Not really. Before we get into this topic? I would say it's the long weekend, and we decided to take a trip up to Halliburton to the cabin. Um, for the weekend. We haven't been here yet this summer, so we're really excited to be here. Yes, it's shameful. Well, I'm very sorry it's been so long. Me you too. Guys forgive me. But it's been a busy we'll summer, so it's been tough. But we're here now. Mm-hmm. It's been, uh, it's overcast, but it's not raining, so. It is very warm, though. Yes. I'm, I'm warm right now, so I'm probably going to jump in the lake right after we finish this. Sweet. Uh, Here's an idea. Here's a topic. Let's talk about cottages. What I've always been really fascinated about is the Canadian culture, the idea of having a cottage. This is a very Canadian thing. Like, why is it that so many people, uh, certainly in Canada, and I don't know if it's just Ontario. You guys lived in Vancouver. Maybe you can expand on that. But it seems like you see it in commercials or whatever. It's like, it's summer. It's time to go to the cottage. And... uh, it seems everyone does it, whether they have a cottage of their own or they have a friend who has one or they go up to Algonquin or one of the other provincial parks. It seems to be a very Canadian thing to do. And I was wondering yes. what you guys thought about that and why that might be. What what makes that a Canadian thing to do? Availability. Availability? I was going to say we have lots of freshwater lakes. Yes. That's a good point. Was that common for you guys? You go, you lived in Vancouver. Did you have a lot of friends who had cottages in BC? Absolutely, and <coughs> mountain resorts and island resorts, and not resorts, but little cabins in the most interesting locations. And both for summer and for winter, they would Seashore. escape from their everyday lives in urban areas and do something that was exciting and unusual and restorative. Yes. <laughs> Anybody home? <laughs> and that is it. I can see that, yeah, being a very big appeal to get away from the city and go out to uh, to a lake. It's very true that it's Canadian because I had a uh, friend in the lab, Marsha, 
Yes. Who uh, was not from Canada or didn't grow up exclusively in Canada. And his girlfriend kept saying, you got to come up to the cottage. You got to go to the lake. And he's like, it's cold. <laughs> like the water's yeah. cold and you're going to a lake. And he was like, this is just such a weird concept. And I'm like, of course you got to go up to the cottage. So is it one of those things Why where like not? we're used to having seven month winters so like summers are such a special thing for us that the idea of going up to a beach a lake is something very canadian a canadian thing to do Go well <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually not sure about that if it's a totally canadian phenomenon though i you know can appreciate that well, having, t- oh, just tell me this. Like, having, you guys bought a cottage. We did. A long, we, long time ago. What? Why? 1984. We no, we bought our first piece of land oh, in 1984 land. that we camped on, never built anything on it, uh, because we wanted our kids to enjoy the lakes, and we wanted our kids to be able to canoe and sleep out in the woods and... and whether it rained or there were thunderstorms or it was great sunny days, we wanted our boys to all experience that. And I don't know where that came from other than because I'm not sure I had. Well, I had some of that actually as a child later on in my life, and then we carried that on. But when you're positioning this this uh, dialogue as a Canadian phenomenon. When I think about my European relatives, of which I have many, many, many. They also go away for, you know, a month or more in July and August. They usually take the entire month of August off and go someplace where they are in their camper vans or they are in their RVs or they are renting something and they are in beaches and they go they go through all of Europe and it's 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 the more the experiencing a different culture experiencing a different environment and challenging your status quo I think it's about things are different when you're in a different environment but I guess the Canadian experience is that it is we have so much amazing wilderness and so much amazing um, landscape and lakes. It's it's uh, it is absolutely and people come from Europe to come and enjoy it, and people come from U.S. to come and enjoy it. So, so the family you're talking about is these are people in in. Uh, how holland yes they have cottages in holland they don't have cottages what they do Mm. is they have their they have their uh cottages on wheels their rvs they call them their so they just go traveling so they don't call them campers what do they call them and they take them and they go down they just then they go away for four weeks but again explore croatia it's not not spain and it's not the same it's not the same because they're going to areas with deep histories that are recorded histories and record and architectural ruins and all sorts of things that are not the Canadian experience. There's very little. No, they just go jump in the Adriatic Sea. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure Adriatic they, Sea. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Okay, yeah. it sounds so like, like a condition. I don't know what that is. <laughs> 
Yes, it's, uh, Dubrovnik. Yeah, it's uh, horrible warts yeah. and <laughs> I suffer from Adriatic-ism. I don't know. Yes. This so doesn't sound right. It's on a map. <laughs> okay. Uh, it exists. But going back to like my earlier point, like yeah. it's it's kind of a strange thing. Like the idea of having your home, but mm-hmm. also having a cottage. Yes. Is a very. It's almost upper class talk. Like absolutely. How do, how does oh, one yes. how does mm-hmm. one just how does that become a Canadian like traditional thing if it's it's not something everyone could afford to do. Like we, we've been very blessed that, uh, that we have it. It used to be affordable. That's the whole it's point. Kind of the many, people, many people, many yeah. people used to uh, have their little shack up in Muskoka, and uh, everybody took advantage and had a wonderful time. And it was very simple and rustic, and nobody wanted it to be better than the neighbors. Or uh, this experience of. Let's all buy in Muskoka for four hundred grand uh, starting price, and you get a little chunk of something, and you all sit around and sip your martinis and look out on trees, and it's not the same experience at all. And people are struggling to hold on to their traditional uh, vacation homes because it's not affordable. And suddenly, this thing they bought for very little and comfortably fit into their economy uh, is suddenly being taxed to the hilt and um, people are coming and speculating and want to buy your property and put a big golf course on it or something. So it's, uh, I don't think it's going to continue in that same vein as the tradition of the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s when everybody would drove, they stuffed themselves into their cars and drove up to their favorite little cabins and had their wonderful times and yeah and also all of the lakefront like property has been bought like it's not going to be something that children of children of current society are going to be like oh, i'm going to go buy a cottage like how far up do you have to go now you're going to go to northwest territories to find <laughs> a cottage and it's all ice so yeah, i don't know about that like maybe it'll pass down like you guys yes. will pass this down to us, and and then well, our families will enjoy it. But if it's a, it, again, it's whether you can afford the legacy. Because Mom, when you rub the microphone, that does come through. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. <laughs> Just so you know. There was a there was a spot on it. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Just well, so you're aware that that a microphone is designed to bring will, in sound. We will clean that spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was so me yeah so <laughs> yes, what it was. what were you what were you saying sorry i totally interrupted you oh yeah the yeah, idea, idea of conti- continuing that legacy mm-hmm. so maybe that won't be a canadian thing in 20 years i agree i hope and so though yeah i would like to see it i i hope so so i come from a family we didn't own cottage property but we always rented cottage property so we still had that um ideal or that trip or that part of the canadian experience uh, now, even that, even renting a cottage property can get quite expensive for a, you know, middle class family to do. But my parents still try and keep up that that idea. And maybe you've got, you know, some nice friends who want to rent their cottage away for a week. So they get some some income from that and you get to experience that property for a week. So here's a question out to the parents, <laughs> because uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. It was really important to you to have your children exposed to nature, to bring them to this cottage sort of idea, that whether it was uh, the property we bought 
at one point when we were children or to where we are right now, you also brought us to like Algonquin. You brought us to provincial parks. You had us experience all those things. So like, is this an important part for your children as Canadian children, perhaps? Absolutely. If you're Canadian and uh, we have this huge landmass, and again, so much of it is not an influenced by human intervention. So it's wonderful to be able to at least give a glimmer of what has been there for eons instead of here's the new and trend and this is what's happening at the moment and this is going to change in a week or two but it's there and it's been there forever and it's something deep daddy's getting emotional (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's but he's right do you want to elaborate on that? Like, why was it so important to you to expose us to that? I didn't want shallow children. <laughs> you didn't want what children? Shallow. 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 Oh, well, good job then. No, you, you, you know, because it's not just about living in the city and mm-hmm. having a good education and and all of those other, you know, components that we were struggling to provide for you that, you know, God... Thank you, God, we were able to do. It was also about understanding nature and, un- and knowing, knowing this land uh, that, we, that we live on that blesses us, that sustains us, that gives us peace. There is nothing like, you know, being down at the lake in the morning when there's no humans there. And just seeing nature at work. There is nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you are, any lake, you know, or being in, a, in the middle of a forest and walking and hearing the trees and, and experiencing nature. That is a spiritual experience. And I feel it brings God closer it does for me, and I hoped always that it would for our children, and and brings a whole other way, whole other perspective to analyzing. Well, not even analyzing. Analyzing is all about your brain, but just realizing and knowing a life and knowing. Who you are. I think this is a good follow up, but yeah. What do you got, Diane? I think it's so important to understand like you live in a city, you go to a store and you buy food, or you go and turn on the heat, and that's how you heat your home. And I think it's so important to go out in nature and realize that plants come from the ground Mm -hmm. and they grow with water and nutrient. And, you know, we started out just (laughs) like cavemen. And we had to learn how to build a fire so we could cook meat so we could eat it. And just learning some of those kind of basic skills, too. Like before we had roads and cars, we got around in canoes and boats and kayaks. And that's how we traveled. And that's how we got place to place. And I think it's important to kind of get that idea around in your mind, too, that sometimes what we need to do and work for requires just 
human connection to where we are and figuring out how to work with what you're given. And so do you think maybe that's part of it? Like it's a heritage in Canada? Like how the first settlers were getting by with their canoes and going down the Yeah, there's certainly that like River and traditional aspect to it, but... I think it's... I th- we are, as a, a modern culture, we suffer from a disconnect. We, we do not... And a lot of people, I don't want to go. And this is scary. There's bugs and it's dirty and it's yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's totally uncomfortable. And I want to sit at home and I want to watch a big wide screen TV and I want to have just have a really comfortable time. I don't want to go out there. And yeah. the, the the more we move towards that, the less we are aware of the fact that, as Diane said, there's so much that we used to have to acknowledge, including a respect for nature, the fact that it wasn't friendly, it had all Mm -hmm. kinds of things that challenged you, it didn't simply give you a good back rub and say, come on, this is all cool and fun, and you worked hard to conquer those things that had to be conquered to give you some sense of comfort and belonging, and at the same time, getting people from the city out to a, an environment they're totally inexperienced with and having no clue of the fact that, yes, you're out in the middle of nature, and believe it or not, it can kill you. Oh, it's yeah. not It's not <laughs> there to coddle you. It's not there to tell you that, you know, it's all going to be good. It's just fine. Just enjoy it it's the sun on your face and the fish are all singing the right song and everything <laughs> I've not heard this song <laughs> so get used to the fact that yes mm-hmm. you could drown yes you could end up with a terrible rash yes you could actually poison yourself something might bite you that you didn't mm-hmm. expect but at the same time when you learn these things, suddenly you not, not only have a deeper respect for your environment and how important, how intimately you are hinged to it, but you no longer feel like this superior entity that is totally above all these silly little gnats and things that are a discomfort. And you just simply become this superior technological creature that has no understanding at all of how many billions of years this has been evolving Mm -hmm. into this wonderful Mm -hmm. thing. That's wonderful, man. That just Mm -hmm. got like some total sage advice. And it'll be recorded into the podcast sphere forever. It makes me think a lot about kind of David Suzuki's philosophy of... We gotta. We have to teach the next generation of children to appreciate and respect nature if we're going to get them to care about it and want to take care of the world. So it comes back into that as yeah. well. Just you know, we got to take care of our planet because it's got to feed us, and we got to live here. Yeah, maybe and, more people yeah. need to go to a cottages because that mm-hmm. message doesn't seem to be very prevalent. Certainly with current mm-hmm. society, mm-hmm. maybe we need more people in nature. Just. We're trying to do it. We're trying to get people out in the cities, but it's just such a privilege to come to this kind of property and experience it here and have your own little space. However, if I could just... It's more like camp, right? What we want to do is put our Mm -hmm. kids into camp Mm -hmm. where there isn't Mm -hmm. all... We don't necessarily want to um, 
I'm not sure that having more and more people come up to the lakes Ooh, yeah. to a Get busy. completely uh, a, a full-on four-bedroom, six-bedroom house with all the technology and all the wizards and the internet and and the boats and the skidoos and mm-hmm. all that is is what is what we're trying to do here. It I think camp experiences where kids actually have to live out in tents like our granddaughter just did and go out on kayaks and portage and cook their own food. That's what we want to expose our grandchildren to. That's what we want that's what dad and I wanted to expose you guys to was like basic survival skills. Unfortunately, way too much of what is happening, it's happening on our lake too. Yeah. And we I actually wanted to get into that. And mm-hmm. we, and we, you know, we, we appreciate it on one level because these are parents doing what they feel is the best for their kids. You know, and I just think about, the neighbors next door yeah they take them out all day long on our little tiny lake for four or five hours with the motorboat running Mm -hmm. and the kids get to experience you know skiing and boarding and and being pulled behind their thing Mm -hmm. but it's really funny though it's such a tiny lake like they they go for uh, about 10 seconds and they reach the other side of the lake and they have to turn around and then another 10 (laughs) seconds and they reach the other side of the lake half but it is small it's short the loons disappeared the mergansers disappeared i don't know where the snakes frogs and turtles are because i haven't seen them all day and i'm hearing i'm hearing the motorboats again in the background not to say that's all good that is all good but then just to balance it the young girl next door with her father in a kayak swam across the lake. Mm-hmm. And that oh, yeah, was cool. That. Mm-hmm. And, and she swam all the way across and she swam all the way back. Okay, that is an experience she will never forget. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she swam through weeds and she swam <laughs> through whatever. Um, and, you know, I've done that in my past when I was 13, 14 years old. And that is that is a life-affirming experience. That is something you'll never forget. And, you know, she joined the Lake Swimmers Club. We have oh, that club. Cool. They're, That's you great know, for that. Swim Across mm-hmm. the Lake Club. That was from the same family. So, you know, you have that too. So it's, uh, what was the point? The point was, <laughs> the point was, is it about the nature experience, the camp experience, or do you just um, duplicate what you have at home? You know, you got the, yeah, the washer dryer, yeah. you got the full on, you know, six bedroom house. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know where I stand on that. Like, I, mm-hmm. which is why, yeah. Anyway, we keep it simple here because we actually purposefully do that. We want. We call it glamping. It's camping. It is not anything like glamping. That is actually a it's, term it's used camping. on the internet now. Oh, where it is bad term then. Where, but we are where they camping are. with a little bit of electric. That's okay, all we got Okay, but glamping, I believe, refers to actually having, you know, full Wi-Fi and... Uh, we got all around mm-hmm. us. Yeah, more of that. Uh, but even... They might not even go outside. Oh, well. We live Diane. Yes. I would like to hear a little bit of your background cottage experience, like how 
how were you raised? Like, did you start doing it really, really early? Like, yes. What was it like for you? You had you went to camp, right? I went to camp, but before camp, um, since we were five years old, we rented the same cottage for 10 years. That was right maybe 15, 20 minutes from my grandparents' house. And we would go there for two weeks in August every summer. Um, and it was on a lake. And they had kind of a little sleeper cabin and then a main cottage. Uh, nothing like spectacular. There was two bedrooms in the cottage and a kitchen and a living room, but it's all furnished with secondhand furniture. And um, they didn't have, they had a swim raft and a dock and a canoe. So we would canoe around and we would swim out to the swim raft. And that's pretty much it. Have some campfires. Honestly, for the longest time, I only thought that corn on the cob was available from the side of the road from a country <laughs> stand. <laughs> That's a good In story. August, because that's the only time we would ever have corn on the cob. Obviously, corn comes in other forms, like in a can or frozen. Mm-hmm. But corn on a cob, I only thought that that's where you could buy it. And you can buy it in grocery stores. Yeah, you were sharing a story city. with me when but your grandmother and you got so upset because your grandfather picked up corn from a grocery store on the way to the cottage. And yep. it was like, but you didn't get it from the side of the road. Yes. And you were just so upset. And grandpa was like, but it's the same corn. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I come all the way here to have corn from a farm, like directly off the stock. Um, so we did that cottage for 10 years. You know, once we were teenagers, we kind of stopped doing it. Um, but kind of in that period as well, is someone said, hey, you should go to camp. So I also had the experience of going to a summer camp where you stay in cabins and it's on a lake and you learn how to canoe and kayak and build fires and cook breakfast um, and just kind of appreciate a nice area out there too. So I did that for uh, five, five years and then went back as a leader, as a counselor, so been a good experience awesome. for you though right i love it you, i love you being feel outside. More connected to nature i do and i like being able to you know correctly identify the difference between a groundhog and a beaver because some city hard? kids some city <laughs> kids i remember being at waterloo and some kids said there's a beaver running around campus and i'm like it's not a beaver it's a groundhog and they're like no it's a beaver i'm like beavers have giant tails was it a beaver yeah. it was a beaver it's it's not a beaver <laughs> <laughs> it was a canadian goose we have a we nickel. Have groundhogs. It actually is a reference point. It, you look at the nickel. If it doesn't yeah, look like what's on the that's nickel, a good point. it's not a beaver. It's, Maybe they don't have coins anymore. Yeah. Just and use debit. That's right. Oh, Maybe. <laughs> so it's just kind of that kind of knowledge is important. And, you know, being able to start a fire from, from yeah. scratch is kind of like, it feels like a, a useful life skill that would help in, mm-hmm. in survival. And I think you just learn a lot from being out not having necessarily all the comforts of home and you get a bit you get a little tough and and i think that translates well to being able to live well in the city and be independent and kind of build your confidence i also think like it for all of that i think it it's like you go out for a week or two into the bush and you Mm -hmm. live a different life and you come home and suddenly you go my god this is a comfortable place and suddenly it all (laughs) like Mm. i'm having a bath and it's just marvelous and it's really it's lovely to be reintroduced to that and have a new appreciation for it because Mm -hmm. it's too easy to whinge about the fact that oh this isn't perfect and this isn't Mm -hmm. right and you go like well it was adequate in the wilderness and now you've come home and wow it's just wonderful Mm -hmm. 
showers without mosquitoes. Everything. So great. Yeah, so sort of makes you appreciate the everyday, the everyday uh, routine a little absolutely. more. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to shoot the same question to my dad because I really like to hear this. First camp or cottage experience, I, I wouldn't even know. Is it with us or was it way before my time? My dad and mom. Oh, and let's not go too long. Just, just We're first generation and they had very little money. But they always found enough to carry on an ethnic tradition. So I was a boy scout after being a cub, but it was all attached to my ethnicity. So I began going to Muskoka as a very young lad, and they always made it very exciting. It was never a boring time. They would build these large wooden stockades equip us all with lots of water balloons and somebody would be defending the stockade and the other Vikings would be coming up the ramparts and trying to get in and they were just heaving with water balloons we we had love and we learned all all the uh, yes, my parents are Estonian, so it was part of, <laughs> it was part of the North European. Do culture. you have a? Hey, there we go. We finally got some cottage noises. Yes, float plane. That was a plane. No. Oh, no, it's, it's, oh, it's oh, it was a boat. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Uh, what time frame is this? What, what year, roughly? Uh, it would have been uh, early sixties. Okay. And uh, a group of. Uh, <laughs> wealthy uh, Estonians decided they would they bought up critically uh, useful properties uh, one was in the Alora area the Alora Gorge and that that area and that was a much closer camp but it, it was also uh, not nearly as rugged but it was interesting and uh, my parents always found the way to pay to have me out for a couple of weeks during the summers pretty well every year the, from the time I was a 10, 11, 12 year old up to the time that I was about 15, 16. And, uh, you know, nothing like going into a traditional Estonian or Finnish sauna built right next to a deep, deep northern lake and you're cooking away in there and you came running off the dock and jumped into this frigidly cold water and you said... Hallelujah, I'm Estonian. <laughs> I'm one of those crazy people from that particular part of the world, and the Finns share that joy as well. And, uh, yeah, these things were deeply implanted on my my memory and my brain. As So, uh, f- for me, yes, it was a Canadian thing, but it was a uniquely Canadian thing, because in many cases, uh, I remember very clearly one year, they celebrated the the uh, Estonian scouts throughout the world, and they all came to Muskoka to Eagle Lake. They they had they had them from Australia. They had them from all over Europe. Everybody showed up with their uniforms, and they were all unique and different. And uh, they all learned all these new songs and anthems in Estonian. And we did bonfires at night, and it was very. It was certainly Canadian because many of these visitors hadn't experienced anything like this. And uh, at the same time, it was uh, kind of uniquely uh, 
my ethnic background. So it's and future. It covered future cottageness. That's yeah. really cool. It covered uh, a cool lot tradition. of bases. Yeah. All right. I wanna I wanna send the same question to my mom. I wonder if she has a story. But uh, Diane, can you send your microphone to her because hers is terrible. It's causing all the feedback. Can you just pass that over to her? Switcheroo. Just pass it to her and move that like close to you, Ma. And do you have a story of like a first cottage experience you would like to share? Okay. <laughs> it's off. It's, it's okay. It's really. Um, Did I put you on the spot? I can go early. First. No, no. So it would be I was five or six, I guess. Six, I guess, and my father who was a contractor and we used to live in the Kingston area when I was a young girl and he and my uncle lived there and he bought a piece of land on Vardy Lake I guess I can say that Vardy Lake and um, there was nothing on it um, we had to clear it and I remember that I vague I, I totally remember going up with my dad and having to clear it there was a road that came out and then he he's a contractor he was a he was a contractor construction and very quick time he put up a little cabin and my uncle put a cabin right beside and every summer dad would drive us up from Niagara on the lake with my mom and the car full of stuff and drop us off for two or three weeks um well because of course it was summer we were out of school and you know that we would be there at the lake and it was um in the first few years no hydro you know uh outhouse on the side um later on we had a bit of hydro as the, as it came in down the road but no running water um and that was yeah, I, ever since I was very young, I've always had that. And we would swim in the lake and fish, and we would eat the fish that we would catch. Yeah, you know, that's something I've always wondered about, amazing. by the way. Is, I don't, you can tell me if this is truth or not, but it started to feel like maybe years later I was sort of looking back and trying to remember. But did we... I don't know if it was economical thing or just planning, but were there moments when we went to that cottage, our family, um, your your father, mother, and also mm-hmm. some of the extended family, mm-hmm. did we not have enough food that we actually depended on these fishing trips? Because it mm-hmm. seemed like those definitely filled oh, many yeah. dinners. For my, fa- for my mom and dad at the time when I was a child and yeah. probably maybe in the early years, yes, absolutely. And that's it kind was, of a crazy yeah, no, thought we, too. It was like, the fish fry. That that's w- living off the land. One that's of like, the dinners always was planned to be the fish fry. So. Mm-hmm. The, they're we delicious we didn't Absolutely. bring yeah. it was always about how much fish you can bring in from the lake and yep that was always a big part of it and you could get some mighty fine fish oh they were good fish. yeah they were great yeah uh, my memory i was going to share was actually just more about general wildlife same same lake you're referring to i remember coming there i remember walking into the outhouse that we talked about last night, which wasn't actually an outhouse, apparently, and seeing a frog that was giant, like a bullfrog that was the size of a kitchen sink. 
Like it was that bullfrog lived so, in that outhouse. It was so huge. It was like that was kind of scary and fascinating at the same time. It was probably I don't know eight years old when I saw it. Um, and I just remember so much wildlife there. There was this gray heron that uh, landed on the point, and I remember walking up to like within two meters of it. I snuck up to get a good look out of it, and it, mm-hmm. it flew away, and that was really magical. There were these water snakes that would go through the water, and they were like, they're scary, but also fascinating. Ooh, here we are. We're getting to it. Uh, song is starting to play. Uh, where uh, I remember seeing, uh, I remember bringing in a toy figure uh, turtle to the cottage, and then a real turtle showed up next to it and was walking by. And I was like, this is just, it's like being at the zoo. It's really cool. But it's real life. And the animals are free. Yeah, they're in their own habitat. That's right. They're doing what they do. And up here we have bear. We've seen bear. <laughs> Jackrabbits. Fox. Yeah. Deer. So there's a lot of wildlife here. Woohoo! Dogs. <laughs> May it continue. Dogs. Um, yeah, and I hope it continues to be that thing. I know my younger brother shows up a lot, and at certain seasons he's like, there's just so much life here when I show up. And we're not really seeing that right now, I guess, mid-August. There's a lot of motorboats, there's planes, there's mm-hmm. whatever going on, and they're yeah. constantly on the lake, and it seems like all the animals are hiding. But he shows up, and it's like, there's uh, frogs out, there's uh, little, well, I can hear it right now on the microphone, there's... I don't know, just a lot of critters everywhere. Like, he just sees it everywhere. And it's like, wow, it's still full of life. Very fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw tortoises one time traveling up here. We've also, we also saw that, um, that grouse. Yeah, wild. Mouse. Walked by and was like... <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a machine gun. <laughs> they were thumping away. Yeah. That was here, yeah. 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 And we almost so. ran over a wild turkey, too, yeah. one yep. time, which was yep. crazy. Yep. So there's so, so much nature still. There mm-hmm. is a lot. And uh, it's pretty resilient, so... Hopefully it lasts. Hopefully many, many generations will still experience. Mm-hmm. And it will be a leveler. It'll be uh, something that just sharpens one's senses to things that last, things that will never disappear. We might, but <laughs> <laughs> polar bears forever. But the turkeys uh, will still be around. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a somber note. Let's end on that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for turkeys. <laughs> um, let, let, I, we'll just, we'll, we're going to take care of this place, so we can't have it. Yeah, so what, I don't know. Anything else, Dee? What do you, anything else you want to say? I think that was good. I think I that's think good. We encapsulated the cabin. The cottage experience. Yeah. All and right. and what we want to get from it and how awesome it is and I'm glad that I married into this family because <laughs> now we have a property there you go um, which is quite awesome so there you go appreciate I'm excited it. about it yeah appreciated and loved mm-hmm. so shall we go through our plugs sure yes all right this is what we always do at the end <laughs> we say if anyone has any topic ideas or comments about uh, this podcast you can send us an email at ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and thank you very much to Field Processor for our intro and outro music. Yep, and you can find us online at ordinaryday.ca and have a listen to all our previous episodes. So thanks, guys, for joining us. It's been lovely. It has. All right. So until next time, take Take one one more for the road. road.